0: completed, and then Hal will add things and show you some pictures and slides. Burma, which is a country of more than 50 million people in Southeast Asia, one side is uh, India and um, Bangladesh, on the other side is Thailand, and so north is China, um, uh, is a country that used to be um, about the richest country in Southeast Asia one of the richest countries in that part of the world. Now it is in the um, lowest uh, ten countries that uh, that the United Nations lists for for poverty in the last 50 years. Um, It's um, become that. And it's a culture that is um, primarily Buddhist, although there are some Muslims and Christians as well. Um, And... uh, much of the teachings that we do here at Spirit Rock and in the practice of mindfulness and Vipassana and so forth have come quite directly from wonderful meditation masters in Burma with whom I and various of our other teachers have studied over the years. Um, so it's one of the countries that's really held and kept the teachings of the Buddha alive as practiced for thousands of years. Um, the people are incredibly gracious and open-hearted and generous and warm. It's wonderful to travel, the people of Burma. And there's also a very strong spiritual life. The, the Buddhist practice permeates through the culture. But that being said, um, there's a kind of uh, two-sided... Um, nature to the situation the circumstances in Burma now there are four or five hundred thousand monks and nuns and there are also four or five hundred thousand soldiers in army big army with no external enemies and the army has run the country as a military dictatorship the generals of Burma for more than half a century um, in spite of protests, such as you might have seen in la- television last year, the Saffron Revolution, where you know hundreds of thousands of monks and then Burmese people marched in the streets, only later to be gunned down or imprisoned. Um, in spite of that, um, the repression uh, is really great and continues. Um, and uh, there are more child soldiers in Burma than almost anywhere else in the world. They conscripted from the... Various uh, states that make up northern Burma, Shan and Chin and Kachin and Karen and so forth. There's been genocide in those states. Um, there's a, a kind of profound sense of um, repression, and spy, the government has spies everywhere. Um, and in a certain way, people said, When you go to Burma, is it going to be safe? It's quite safe to go as a tourist. Almost completely safe, very little crime, because the government monopolizes the crime. They're the ones who are selling the teak forests to buy weapons, um, you know, and selling off the riches of Burma to make themselves rich. Um, so, this uh, richest of the countries has become both um, one of the poorest and one of the most oppressed. And when we went on our trip, we didn't talk about politics at all, you dare not because to do so would put the people and the projects that we meet in jeopardy. So we went just to help with schools and clinics and monasteries and various things that we could do. But I remember asking one of my taxi drivers, and he had this kind of rattle-trap taxi that I hailed down. It was kind of fun to ride, because like Cuba, there's not much import and export, so there are all these old cars. It feels like a time warp. Um, and I got in his taxi, and there was a Barack Obama sticker across his uh, his visor. And I thought, okay, this guy's probably pretty cool. So after we're driving around, I said, is it okay to talk politics? He said, oh, my God, it's so terrible here. So it felt sort of safe. I didn't say what project I was with or anything. So we talked for a little bit. And then I a- asked him, I said... Um, you know, Burma's had such a hard time, at it had it a it hundred years or more, a long history of colonial oppression from the British, got its independence, and then not long after these generals took over. I said, What about Aung San Suu Kyi, who is the Nobel Prize winner um, who won the last elections in the, you know, 20 years ago or so, and then has been placed under house arrest for 17 years, she's been in house arrest. She's this little person just about my age, this small, woman who is um, not allowed to leave her home. She would be. She'd be allowed to leave Burma. The military said, you can leave Burma, but if you do, you can't ever come back. So she couldn't leave when her husband in England was dying of cancer or her children graduated college because she'd never come back. And she stays there and she says, I will not hate you and I will not leave. I will not go away and in some way her spirit carries the flame of freedom for 50 million Burmese people. So I asked my taxi driver, I said, "Um, do people talk about Aung San Suu Kyi? And his eyes got really wide like I'd said something that was scary, You know, just to say her name. And then he said, no. Put his finger across his mouth, we never talk about her. And then he looked at me, he stopped the car. He said, no, not this, but always here always here. She's in all our hearts even though we don't say a word. She is what we carry. And this flame you see throughout Burma, not just politically, but this deep spiritual flame. The main pagoda in Burma is filled with stupas and pagodas, but the main one in the center of Rangoon is the Shwedagon Pagoda, which is like um, the Eiffel Tower meets um, the Taj Mahal with Buddhist Disneyland and um, a little bit of... Uh, you know, kind of incense and in the sacred kind of enveloping it. It's just an amazing place. And day and night there are people circumambulating and making prayers, and it's got temples all around it. And it's this huge, enormous pagoda. Um, and there, when the cyclone came through, which happened last year, that Hal will talk about, um, the crown, there's this golden jeweled crown on the top of the Shwedagon, was damaged. And even though people are incredibly poor, I heard stories that men and women in the village would take their last bit of gold, their, their gold ring, their gold earrings, and send it by hand with cousins and friends to Rangoon to make sure that we can fix the temple at the top of the Shwedagon because it carries the spirit of the people. There is so much love and generosity that's built in. The teachings of Buddhism are that generosity is what makes you happy. Dana, in the biggest way... And it's woven into the society to make a, a truly generous society. You also see the spirit of the Buddhist teachings of sila, which means of integrity or virtue, um, a kind of purity um, that's there. And we visited a number of nunneries. I, I was particularly interested because I'd been there years ago and studied with these very famous meditation masters, but they were almost all guys, and I would became much more interested to visit a number of the senior women teachers that you don't tend to hear about as much. They're, they're not as um, published, shall we say. They don't get their voices out, because Buddhism is still pretty patriarchal in these countries. Um, but they're fantastic women teachers. And we visited, I don't know what pictures Hal has chosen to show, but we visited a, a, a series of nunneries that were run by these women. Um, I remember meeting a couple of the nuns who were young, um, uh, you know, probably late thirties. They looked like they were sixteen, but they were really thirty-eight or thirty-nine. Um, and they were taking care of these girls who had been um, orphaned by the, by the cyclone. Um, they said, well, one of our temples was in the Delta and we went back to see how we could help. And there were all these young girls um, who had nowhere to go, so we took them in and we built this nunnery out of bamboo we all went in, and it was kind of like with all these big Westerners in it, it was kind of shaking. I wondered whether it was going to fall over. But it was really beautiful to feel inside how much love there was. All these girls, five, six, seven, ten years old, sitting there in their little pink um, robes and just smiling because they were so loved by the nuns who took them in. And, you know, I talked to a several of these different nuns, and they were really accomplished. A few of them said, well, well, my sister there, she came first in all of the national examinations as a scholar in Burma. She's the most accomplished woman scholar in the country. But we saw these girls and we said, we have to take care of them. Well, are you sorry you can't study? Are you sorry you can't go meditate? You know, they were going to go on retreat. I asked the abbesses and, oh, no, no, no. The Buddha has sent us these girls to take care of. Um, and this is our practice now. And we we're so fortunate. And there was a kind of purity of let us just care for what is brought to us. Let us care for the world. A kind of integrity that was so selfless. Um, it was a kind of expression of all of their years of meditation, if you will. But more than that, of the weaving of the principles of generosity and virtue throughout the society. Generosity, dhāna, virtue um, and integrity, the kind of purity of, of these, of these uh, nuns and monks and, and teachers. Um, we met the shaman. We went way up to the Chinese border to these mountain tribe villages and the, visited the shaman who was there. And part of our work, the foundation's work, um, has been not only to build clinics and schools but also water systems. We went up with this one doctor who said these remote villages the average woman there has 11 or 12 children starting childbearing at age 15 or so and four or five of them die before they reach age 18 infant mortality it's really high so what this beautiful man who was in charge of those projects had done was to create water systems for clean water from springs way up in the mountains and bring these pipes down with the support of this foundation so that they had clean water that wasn't muddied by the by the cattle and various other things um, and also have backpack medics come through periodically to check the children and in he was he was doing research on it but in three years it appeared that the infant mortality rate was cut in half with just visits from backpack medics and clean water and there was such a sense of joy in everyone who was participating in that a kind of Integrity and care and virtue in the whole in the whole process. There also is a kind of wisdom woven into the culture: um, panya, prajna, bhavana. When we were in Mandalay, one of the one of the fifteen people that traveled with us um, uh, was Alice Walker, the um, wonderful writer. Um, and we went to a temple outside of Mandalay, in which one of the earlier Burmese kings. Had decided that the Buddhist texts should not be forgotten in future years and had all of the 50 volumes of the Buddhist sutras and texts carved on, on these beautiful stone marble tablets, each one put in a separate shrine, thousands of them. And I have this picture of Alice Walker standing there holding this stone. She said, Imagine people who love their writing so much that they put their best books on stone so that we'll never be lost. You know, she's kind of leaning her head against this, the world's largest book, it's called. Um, but there's such a reverence also for, not just for learning, but for wisdom, for understanding that weaves through the culture. And you see it, we visited all these meditation temples, places I'd practiced, like Mahasi Saido's monastery, where there were only 400 people on retreat that week. On the holiday times, there's 3,000 people who come and sit together for a month and, and, um, you know, or two months. Um, and we visited all these kind of um, mystics as well. I remember visiting this one great nun who was not only a meditation master, but she was a channel for a dragon spirit, a Naga spirit. And there was this big statue of a kind of great serpent dragon in the front with this woman dancing on top of it that was a female naga. And so she would teach us meditation, and then she would sort of half close her eyes if you asked her questions, and you could talk to the dragon spirit, and she would kind of... And the dragon spirit was pretty cool. She had very good answers to most of the kind of meditation questions people were asking. But anyway, when we were down in the delta looking at projects of rebuilding of schools and, and so forth, Um, In the village we were, the villagers had caught a python, and they were probably going to take it to the market and sell it. So we bought it from them. Our group got very excited and took it back to the Irrawaddy River to our boat. That's how we got it on the delta and let it go in the river. Everybody applauded as it swam away back to shore and so forth. Wonderful python. It was named Monty by our group, but that's (laughs) all right. But anyway... so we told this this abbess, this very accomplished meditation master who also channeled the dragon, um, and she told her naga spirit and her, her dragon spirit was extremely happy with our group. <laughs> oh, you let one of my people go back in the river. You know, It was a really beautiful moment. But in that village, which we'd helped to rebuild the school and the clinic and so forth, there's a village council, now including the senior women, the head of the, the school teachers and the head of the... Um, Uh, the the midwife and so forth. It wasn't just men, which was partly encouraged by the way that the foundation has been working. And I remember talking to the midwife in the village who was one of the elders there. And I said, um, you know, how many years have you been doing this? uh, You know, decades. Um, Very lovely being. And I said, so how many babies have you helped to deliver? And she smiled and she did this. And she went, everybody that was around her were, were people that she had brought into the world. And so she was one of the elders that we were able to honor in some way and bring in to this process. Um, and these people who come, who will sing tonight, I guess the last thing I'll say, they're sort of modest, um, but the music school, which also has the office from the Foundation for the People of Burma that they're a part of... Um, also mobilized together with the foundation three or four hundred people to go into the delta last year when the when the cyclone came and killed tens of thousands of people and washed all these villages away and they were the ones who got in who collected the rice and collected the things the blankets that were needed and got in trucks and took them down and you get to military checkpoints and the military would want to take it from them and i heard stories that the students would just say um we are taking these and we're going through your checkpoint And um, the soldiers say, you may not pass. And they say, then you will have to shoot us first. We are taking this rice to the people who need it. So there's this incredible flame that's there in the hearts and the spirits of people. You'll hear some of it when they sing tonight, in spite of the hardship and a carrying of these beautiful Buddhist principles. And I'm just grateful that you all can visit. So I'm going to turn this over to Hal for a bit.
1: Thank you, Jack. I will turn on my phone. Thank you very much, Jack. Uh, it is indeed a pleasure to be here tonight. Thank you all for being here with us uh, on Jack's uh, Burma Night. Uh, also, many, many bows to Jack for his dedication to the Foundation for the People of Burma and for allowing us to be here tonight with our very dear friends and co-workers uh, uh, and musicians, the Gita Choir, which you will hear from. Uh, in the second half of the program. But before the choir sings, um, I'd like to go over a few things about the foundation, show a few slides, a video, uh, and uh, and then um, then we'll take I'll probably take a break, and then the DTMA the choir will sing. But before I do any of that, I'd like to let you know just very briefly about a special event that this choir will be doing Uh, with the Foundation for the People of Burma and with special guest Joan Baez on May 1st at the Cowell Theater um, at Fort Mason in San Francisco. Um, We we have uh, handouts and flyers in the back if you're interested in going or donating to it, and we would really love to see all of you or any of you who can make it there. And it's also special because it happens to be on exactly the one-year anniversary of Cyclone Nargis hitting uh, the the southeast portion of of Burma. Uh, And if you are interested in going, I would really encourage you to get your tickets soon because we are selling uh, tickets very rapidly. And for those of you who are not familiar with the foundation of the people of Burma, um, this is our 10th year in operation, providing humanitarian uh, aid to the people of Burma. And we provide relief to the people of Burma, uh, regardless of rigid religion or ethnic background. Uh, and we do this even though, although um, Burma is approximately 85% Buddhist. We work in the areas of health, child protection and safety, women's empowerment, education, and community development. Our programs are widespread over the entire uh, country, and we serve many ethnic and religious groups. Uh, and I will talk briefly about a few of them during this slide presentation that, I, that I'll be doing. The Foundation for the People of Burma um, over the past 10 years has grown to be the largest humanitarian aid organization focused only on Burma. We're not that big um, in terms of how uh, international non-government organizations go, uh, so that is a commentary on how much neglected Burma is in the the eyes of the world, Uh, but we hope we can continue our efforts as we move ahead. And our efforts expanded greatly after Cyclone Nargis hit the delta area in the southwest of, of Burma last May. We raised a significant sum of money in the United States and were able to deploy it rapidly after the cyclone uh, because we had people in place. We've been working there for 10 years. Um, all these young people working and, and uh, studying at the Gita May Music Center came to us and said, we, we have to help. Can you help us with resources? And that's how our partnership began. They quit school, they quit their jobs, and just headed down to the Delta with whatever they could to provide relief to the, to the victims of the cyclone. They were doing this at a time when all of the large international non-government organizations like Save the Children and, and other um, uh, United Nations organizations were barred from coming into the country. The, the, the military government prevented them from coming in, and once they got there, prevented them from going down to the delta, except in a few major cities. And uh, that still their uh, aid efforts there after a year are still hampered significantly by the government. But while they were having trouble getting into the country, we had people on the ground delivering direct aid. And we were able to reach tens of thousands of of people in need right after the cyclone hit. And not only that, but our efforts continue. Uh, We now have a staff of 18 people uh, divided up into teams that focuses on several areas in the Delta to improve the overall uh, environment for these people. And we hope in the next year or so to develop these areas that we're working in to be in a better place economically and socially uh, and educationally and with healthcare than they were prior to the cyclone. And these young people you will hear and see tonight form the original core group of our local volunteers we were able to work with after the cyclone. They're not only talented singers, but they care a great deal about the people in their country. And they, they truly practice what we in the West might call engaged Buddhism. And all them, although not all of them here tonight are are Buddhists. And now I'm going to show you some slides of our trip, but we we'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have after um, after the, the concert here tonight. So bear with me just for a minute while my antique computer here sort of, I hope... Um, warms up and, and, and gets our presentation going what we'll do in, in this slide presentation is just go through some rough cuts of just
0: real flashes
1: of what we did with uh, on Jack's trip and uh, some of the things he mentioned uh, uh, you'll probably or I, I will hope to point out um <coughs> As we go along, this was a very uh, uh, sort of fancy uh, trip for Burma, so we stayed in very nice places because the people we brought over were were significant donors to the foundation. And we stayed in a very fancy hotel called the Governor's Residence. There are other hotels called the Decent Hotel, which is right down the street from the Sweet Hotel, where I stayed, at S-W-E-E-T. For one night before going to the fancy governor's uh, mansion, or governor's residence. Jack mentioned the Swedigal Pagoda. Uh, It is the center of the heart of Buddhism in in Burma. It's over 340 feet tall and purportedly has uh, about 20 tons of gold in it.
0: And it's got, this has got uh, um, a bamboo scaffolding around it to fix it from what happened during the cyclone so they're in their the repair process oh yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the people are very very dedicated in, uh, to Buddhism in the country and mainly the women who make merit by sweeping the marble uh, kora uh, oh, no. you can
0: come out and see uh, come oh, sit yeah. there uh, uh,
1: they make merit by sweeping the kora where people walk around every day uh, and this is another view of the sort of the outside perimeter of thewetogon pagoda where there are all these other pagodas that, that wealthy families in decades gone by have built up to make merit for their next life. One of the days in Rangoon we went out to a uh, uh, to a nunry. Uh, Managed by this Western nun. I think she's Swiss. Mm -hmm. Am I right, Jack? Arianyani. She's Swiss. She's Swiss. She's been there about thirteen years in ropes, Um, and also at the same monastery. uh, You might recognize some of you, Carol Wilson, who's also a Western uh, Dharma teacher. And these are some of the little girls that Jack mentioned in the monastery who were orphaned uh, by the cyclone uh, in in, uh, the Delta area. And were brought up to the Rangoon area by these two nuns, and they lived in this, in this very, uh, very simple and not too stable uh, bamboo shack. And we donated uh, quite a bit of money, by Burmese standards, for them to to rebuild some the some
0: area. thousands of dollars. How much do you need to eat every month? Three hundred dollars will feed the whole nunnery. Okay, well here's you know money for food for a year for you, so.
1: So, we spent quite a bit of time on boats, Um, and this is a boat going down into the delta from uh, Pantwe, the people here, I think I pronounced it right, going on to one of our project areas. These are some of the people on the trip, Um, and the only picture I I have there is, this is a school that we support in this uh, ethnic Karen village. It's a Christian Karen Karen village, it was very hard hit by, by the cyclone, and this school may look, and it is very uh, primitive, very very primitive. You know, by Western standards, you wouldn't even call it a school. This is a pretty good school in Burma, just to give you an idea of the standards of education. It's
0: got got a roof and walls and and teachers and the, the stuff on their faces is makeup. By the way, it's kind of this this beautiful um, uh, white um, uh, powder. Tonical. Um, that's that's ground up and placed on people's faces, on children and on grown women as a a form of makeup. And? And sunscreen.
1: (laughs) And in the delta, in the tropical climate, you have snakes.
0: Oh, right, there's 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 Monty.
1: Monty This is Monty Python. (laughs) We paid $15 for this snake because the villagers were going to sell it to the merchants in the city and cut it open for parts. So we bought it and then released it back into the, into the edge of the big canal that we uh, had our big boat on. Back, um, back in the Rangoon area in Insen, which is a sort of a suburb of Rangoon, where um, through Mo who's the choir director tonight, we have established a program, and he actually runs a program, to, <coughs> to support this monastery school for both young boys and girls. <coughs> excuse me. Um, he's done a, a, a tremendous amount of work there. Done a great job. And again, you can see the state of the schools here. Now we push on to Jack giving a dharma talk. And <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Hope I get through this. Uh. <coughs> this is
0: At Mahasi, Mahasi, <laughs> <laughs> Mahasi Saido's monastery, which was one of the places that I'd practice as a monk almost 40 years ago, that's a statue of the teacher Mahasi Saido. It looks he used to sit very still, so it was very hard when I was there. They'd, had, they'd made that statue, and you'd come in at night and you wonder, now, is he actually sitting there, or is this, you know, is this his statue? Because he would sit in front of it sometimes, and they had these lifelike, life-like statues.
1: Here we are um, getting a presentation from uh, some of the people who are now on our permanent staff working on our Delta project. Uh, You can see in the background there a picture of the Delta area, and these young uh, people would come up and tell us what aspects of the program they're doing, and they're very enthusiastic, very uh, energized, and, and really, really dedicated to the things that they're doing. Back on another boat is Jack, Alice Walker, and two other people from our boat, or from our trip. Uh, And this time we're going down the Irrawaddy River from Mandalay to the Sagain Hills. Here are just a few pictures of what you see as you go out of the port in Mandalay uh, down the river. It really is a river of life. People drink water from the river, they wash the clothes in the river. They fish in the river, they use the river as a road or a transportation link between southern and northern uh, Burma. And they also have very fancy cruise ships. You can get on one of this ship like this and have a very fancy cabin and and meals all the way from Rangoon all the way up to the north of Burma. Uh, Temples abound in Burma. They call them payas. This is just one of the hundreds of temples you can see along the side of the river. As you you motor along, Jack mentioned this photo of Alice Walker holding the book. This is one of the over a thousand books in the largest book in the world uh, with all the Buddhist texts and scriptures in it. Also, writes us in in Mandalay, I think this is one of Jack's pictures. This is a picture uh, which is very similar to our logo for the Foundation for the People of Burma. This one happens to be decorated for an ordination ceremony for a young man to become uh, a, a novice monk so now we take a quick flight up to changtong which is the capital of the golden triangle in the eastern shan state near the border of china laos and thailand and these are hill tribe people and you can see that the thatched roof uh houses up on stilts on the side of the hillside in the kids are playing with the rooster there. This is where we have our backpack medics program, water and sanitation program, education program um, uh, for these hill tribes in this area. And this happens to be in one of the schools in the area where a lot of the hill tribe kids come into. And this is our dentist from our uh, uh, cyclone relief program in the Delta. This is her first trip up there. She's giving all of these kids their first ever uh, dental exam, giving them putting, chloro, uh, uh, clean, putting protection on their teeth, uh, pulling teeth uh, and teaching uh, oral hygiene. And in the old town of Cheng there's a very ancient monastery. I apologize for not having very good pictures of it, but it, it has these, uh, hundreds of these old uh, very, very old Buddha images uh, in the Shaan style. And also, Changcheng also has a wonderful market downtown where uh, all these ethnic hill tribe people come and sell their, their their agricultural goods. Some of them come in and do portering jobs. They're, they just sit in the middle of the, uh, the walkway there and wait for people to hire them to, to act as human porters. These are Aka women, you can tell by their headdress, who are doing portering jobs for someone. And of course, some of you might recognize... Mm-hmm. Our dear friend and, and Jack's assistant, Sarah, who was on the trip, and um, there's always time for shopping. <laughs> <laughs> we skipped from Chang Tong down to Bagan, the ancient capital, uh, the former capital of Burma, but there's about eight square miles of temples and pagodas and old abandoned monasteries. This is one of the most famous uh, temples there, the Ananda Temple. And our national tour guide, uh, Mindu, uh giving most of the people in our tour group a history lesson. Most everybody's paying attention. Some people are taking pictures. Uh, and just here is an example of the array of, of Buddha images that you see all over Burma, uh, honoring the Buddha and the Buddhist teachings. One of the big things you do in, in Bagan is climb up one of the pagodas at night and watched the sunset. Uh, that's what it looks like uh, from the top of the pagoda. And it was so beautiful and so inspiring on the trip uh, that this couple, Adam and Tabitha, who were on the trip, uh, were engaged on top of the pagoda the night. <laughs> but, you know, they didn't have much time to think about it. They drank some champagne, and then early the next morning... Uh, we got on these balloons to do balloons over Bagan. Um, and these big balloons just lift off and you sail way up into the sky and you get panoramas like this of the, of the, uh, of the area. And uh, the last day we were there, we went out to this remote village, which is a very uh, typical Burmese village uh, untouched by the military, very peaceful and tranquil. But we went up by boat and had to cross all of this sand. So Alice uh, was able to get a ride on this ox cart to get <laughs> through the very hot sand to get there. And here's just a picture of the you know what people look like in Burma. These are just local people uh, living their life very happily, left alone by any interference from the government so And you know this. Is I put this picture in there because it shows just how much loving kindness there is for the children, for the people, and the the older people take care of the younger people, and um, they really look after each other in a very caring way. And from there, we fly back and get back. Since everybody was well-behaved on the trip, we went back to the fancy hotel. We didn't go back to the... uh,
0: Decent hotel. uh, uh,
1: To the the decent or the sweet hotel. So now, this is going to take just a few seconds to warm up, but uh, this is just a four-minute DVD uh, that gives you some scenes of what happened in the cyclone. We don't have any of the gory details here. The pictures in this video were taken by our volunteers in the Delta because we couldn't even go down. I couldn't go down. Brooke couldn't go down. Wait,
0: Uh, And I have a a thought because it's 8.15. This is what, because we were going to take a break. I, I, I want to check with you, Hal. Sure. How about if we take a break now, Gita May sings, and then you show the video of the, of, the, of the Nargis, and then we take some questions. Or, or, or you show the video and they sing, one or the other. But, well,
1: I, probably I show the video, then they sing. And, and, okay. And
0: then we take so, because I do want us to have some time to stretch, um, and then we'll end with a little meditation when we finish all of that. It's 8.15. Before you get up to take a break, a few announcements to make. If you've not come before, there's a table in the back corner of the room where you can get information about upcoming events or where you can sign up for a mailing list. A few of the things coming up. This next weekend, Alan Wallace, who's a really fine uh, Western Tibetan teacher, is doing two days on balancing heart and mind, and you can come for one or both days. The following weekend Arisa Karazek's doing a a day long for people of color called Moving in Grace. She's a wonderful movement teacher in meditation. And Mark Lesser's leading a day called Accomplishing More by Doing Less. And you don't even have to come to it, but if you do come, (laughs) you know, you're welcome, it's good. And then there's a there's a retreat of quieting the mind quieting and concentrating the mind here on May 10th to 20th. You're also welcome. And our middle school class series begins this next week. The last announcement to make, uh, two more announcements. Um, uh, One is that all the money that you give tonight, what you gave in parking, what you gave to come in here, and what hopefully you give in the baskets as you leave, all of it will go to the projects of the Foundation for People of Burma to these nuns, to the backpack medics, to the things that you'll be seeing. Um, So I'm enormously grateful for whatever support you give. And someone came up and said that they would match your donations tonight. So every dollar you put in as you go out will be matched, pretty much. Which is really phenomenal. And the last announcement is, just as Hal and I led this trip to Burma, um, Sylvia Boorstein and I, are planning a trip this winter to Palestine and Israel, which will include going to holy sites around um, Israel and Palestine, and also visiting a number of the key peacemaking groups the bereaved mothers, the former combatants, the Gandhi Center in Palestine that's teaching nonviolence throughout the Middle East, um, and raising money for all these organizations. So, if anyone is interested in that trip, I have some flyers for it. You can come up and get one. Um, let's take a 10-minute break, um, and then we'll ring the bell to come back. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit org slash donate.